If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Hey, hey, North Division matchup tonight early in the second period. The Maple Leafs lead the Jets 2-1. Austin Matthews has his 19th of the season. Hyman has also scored for Toronto. Cop has the goal for Winnipeg. Looking around the league in the third period, the Penguins are up 3-1 on the Rangers. In the second period, Bruins lead the Islanders 1-0. The Sabres up 3-1 on the Flyers. Buffalo, of course, really struggling this season, but Sam Reinhardt has two goals tonight, up to 11 on the year. And Riley Sheehan, who last year was an Edmonton Oiler, has his third of the season for Buffalo. Van Riemsdyk, his 11th for Philly. Early second period, caps up 1-0 on the Devils. No score, Predators and Hurricanes. And Florida leads Columbus 2-0. In the first period, Tampa Bay and Detroit tied 1-1. And one other game starting in about half an hour. That is the Blackhawks and the Stars. And a game starting in about half an hour at the Briar in Calgary. It is Alberta's Botcher rink with a 3-1 record taking on the Jacobs rink from Northern Ontario. They are 3-2, so... Botcher can uh, really put the heat on Jacobs with the win there and go a long way to securing his spot in the championship round. 780-496-0063 is how you can get in touch by calling or texting. The hotline is presented by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials pro all the way. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. The Oilers will play again tomorrow. They are 5-0 against the Ottawa Senators. They will try to make it 6. Our coverage will start at 430 with the face-off show, and the game will start at 6, the second of three in a row against the Senators, and game six of the Oilers' seven-game homestand. That is their longest of the year. Now, I can tell you that Kyle Turris did not skate this morning after having a pretty good game last night, and then we find out around 3 o'clock this afternoon he is on the NHL's COVID protocol list. Now, Remember, Jesse Pugliarvi was on this list when uh, the Oilers had that game in Montreal. Remember, it was pushed back by an hour. So being on this list does not mean that that player has COVID. It, it could mean a few things. First of all, there could be a positive test that needs to be confirmed. Uh, he could be uh, isolation because he could be mandated to be in isolation because he could be have symptoms. He could be required to be in quarantine because he's a close contact. Uh, he could be, uh, you know, he, you know, again, he could have the positive test or he could have quarantine for travel, which wouldn't obviously apply to tourists. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, you know, he, he did play last night. So you would think this is probably a close contact situation, but Turris was not on the ice today, nor was Josh Archibald. He remains day-to-day with an upper body injury. Not sure if we'll see him tomorrow, maybe by the end of the week. I think the Oilers miss him. One player who did practice today, though, was Zach 
Cassian, who we haven't seen in about a month. He was out with a hand injury after getting hurt in a fight in Ottawa. Dave Tippett on Cassian's status. He's coming. He still hasn't been cleared by the doctors, but it was the first day with our group. He's been skating for a few days on his own. So the first day with our group, he's, uh, I think he's progressing. He's got to, uh, he's got to get cleared by the doctors, which I don't think would, at the earliest, might be the end of the week. So we'll see where it goes from there. All right, so might be the end of the week. So the Oilers play Ottawa again on Friday. They're in Vancouver on Saturday, and then they're in Calgary next Monday and Wednesday. So, you know, by the sounds of it, they're probably still pretty iffy for uh, Ottawa-Vancouver, but maybe Cassian good. Uh, you know, again, you know, maybe for Ottawa and Vancouver on the weekend. That is the end of the week, but he did just start practicing with the main group. So uh, maybe we should see him, I would say, in the sometime in the next four games. But we'll keep an eye on what's going on with Zach Cassian and, of course, Kyle, Kyle Turris as well. Interesting to tell you about this. Um, and look, we know that the Oilers roster, while it certainly has some strengths and it might look better compared to others Oilers teams in recent years, still some uh, some areas that are preventing it from being a really, really elite team. Well, I can tell you this, the TSN's Pierre Lebrun reporting today that Buffalo forward Eric Stahl says he's open to being traded to a contender and that the Edmonton Oilers are a club possibly interesting, uh, interested in adding Stahl. Now, you've seen Eric Stahl play. You've seen him play a lot. Heck, he's 36 years old. He's played 1,263 games plus playoffs. So he has the experience, and we've seen him at times be a, a very, very good player. This year on a really bad Buffalo team, he has three goals, eight points in 23 games, so very modest numbers. He's minus 15, which you might expect from a team not doing very well. Well, what do the Oilers need? They, they could use some experience, absolutely. They could use someone who can win face-offs. Now, that probably would preferably be uh, someone who's a right shot. Stahl does shoot left. This year, he's not doing great in the face-off circle at 47.5%. Uh, his ice time right around how the Oilers would probably use him. He's playing 15 minutes and 24 seconds for Buffalo. His last season was actually pretty good. So do you, do you, do you say, do you look at these 23 games this year on a bad team and say, well, Eric Stahl is probably finished? Or do you look at last year with the Minnesota Wild uh, when he had 19 goals and 47 points in 66 games and say, well, maybe he can do something like that again. Now, he makes $3.25 million a season. The Oilers are, you know, right at the cap. They're in LTIR, really, with some of the player with, you know, cleft bomb and allowing them to go over a little bit like that. So if they're they would go if they're going to make a deal, they'd have to send some money out, and maybe even Buffalo retains in this situation if they're trying to get rid of this player, and maybe they keep some money for the rest of the year since he's not under contract for next season. So at three point two five. Would you look at Eric Stahl? Would you want the experience? Would you want somebody else down the middle? Could uh, could he be a center that maybe could slide in there with Chase on and Neil? And nothing against what Gaetan Haas is doing, but Eric Stahl certainly is uh, a more experienced player than Gaetan Haas and probably could fill that role a little better. Or is would Chase on be a guy that you would consider moving out? He makes 2.15 and then maybe Buffalo retains a million or so, and that's how you get that deal done. You know, what, could you move Kyle Turris, who despite last night hasn't been great this season? He's at 1.65. Just some names out there. I, I mean, LeBron is reporting this, so Stahl's name I think is certainly one we can talk about a little bit. 
Um, but again, for the Oilers to bring him in, they would have to send some money out and possibly, on top of that, get Buffalo to retain. So you can let me know what you think about that. 7804960063. Got a text already. Send Koskinen for stall. You know, uh, I, that, that, that I, I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong. It looks like it says Ramorn. I hope I have that right, uh, Ramorn. Let me know if I am not correct because I don't want to say names incorrectly. That that crossed my mind. Um, I, again, and Rob and I have talked about this. The thing is, I, I, I understand why you might want to trade Koskinen, and I, I don't think that the Oilers acquired Alex Stalock off waivers just to be a third goalie safety net. I, I think they're hoping he can play, and Stalock is under contract for next season, as is Koskinen. Mike Smith is not. So, but but again, I don't think other teams are in the business of doing the Edmonton Oilers a favor by potentially taking Miko Koskinen. And I think be, before the Oilers could do that, they need to know that Alex Stalock can be the number two here to Mike Smith. You know, that Stalock can give them good goaltending every third or fourth game. I, I, I get all the sentiments with Koskinen. We saw it again last night. Hey, you know what? He won the game. Like, if I would have told you last night, the Oilers are going to, I'll win the game. Koskinen will make 26 saves on 28 shots. You probably, hey, if I tell you that at four in the afternoon, you're thinking like, okay, 26 out of 28, that's a solid start. But, and with Koskinen, there are a lot of buts. The first goal goes in, it's a really bad goal against, and he has those moments throughout the game where he makes you a little nervous when he doesn't look set, where he doesn't quite know where the, where the rebound is going. So, yes, do, do I think the Oilers have acquired Staylock? to hope he can upgrade the goaltending and, and maybe that pushes Koskin into the third goalie or maybe off the roster if they can make a trade. But I still think that's a really big if um, for them to trade Koskinen. But I, I do appreciate that, uh, that text. Uh, Mark in St. Albert. Mark, hope things are good in St. Albert today. Beautiful community. He says that's too much money for a player at the end of his career regarding stall. Well, I think that's that would be the concern. Now, the thing that here's here's the counter to that, Mark. If we're going to have uh, an over the beer type discussion, which I know, I know we can't, but uh, we we can do we can we can meet on the mystic plane and pretend we're having a discussion over the plane over a beer, Mark. If you're up for that, I guess my counter argument to that is, what's the risk if he's here for the rest of this year and he's gone, and if he fills can try to fill a hole in the lineup. Is there anything to lose, again, if you give up a player that perhaps is not playing much of a role with the team right now? That would be my counter to that, Mark. You've probably already thought of that yourself, and you've probably decided on the other side of it, but fair enough. Uh, Riders fan, but Riders fan says, but uh, Eric Stahl said he wanted to go to a contender. The Oilers aren't that this year, in my opinion. Well, that's a fair comment, but again, I can only tell you what uh, I, I can only tell you what LeBron has reported that the Oilers would are, are looking at Stahl. Uh, I, I would think if LeBron was confident enough saying something about it, there must be at least a little bit there from both sides, perhaps. But I understand what you're saying. The Oilers aren't a third-line center away from going being like, okay, they're the seventh favorite to win the Stanley Cup to a top three. I understand that. 
780-496-0063. You can call or text. Getting a few texts uh, here as well. Jake DeBrusque was a, was a healthy scratch. Um, he's had a bit of a tough year. Hasn't worked well for him in Boston. Could he be an answer five-on-five five if, if the Oilers went after that? He's had some good years. I, I think his five-on-five five numbers are, are down this year, so you'd have to notice that. You'd, you'd have to note that as well. But would Jake DeBrusque be better than Dominic Cahoon has been in the top six? He might be. You know, let me know what you think, of course. We'll keep you updated on all this. Kelly Rudy's going to check in between 6.30 and 7. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Bruce Cassidy, the head coach of the Boston Bruins, who made Jake DeBrusque a healthy scratch. Here's a quote from him. Well, we've tried different angles with Jake. He's met one-on-one with myself. He's met one-on-one with the coaches. He's talked with some of the veteran guys. At the end of the day, we're not quite getting out of Jake what we want. Some of that is circumstance and situational. He's moved around. He's been hurt. His center had been hurt but I still feel like he's been given ice time to perform to the best of his ability. We just feel we're not getting the effort required. It's not always about the score sheet. It's about being one of the 20 guys helping you win. Some nights it's there, some nights it's not. We tried different messaging with the player, and sometimes sitting upstairs and taking a look is not a bad way to go and put a different perspective on it and have a better appreciation for being in there. A little bit from Bruce Cassidy, the head coach of the Boston Bruins on Jake DeBrusque, who, of course, is uh, an Edmonton kid and knows all about the city and uh, what it's like here if he did ever wind up playing here. Tony the Pizza Boy, who says uh, DeBrusque could be a good addition. That sounds like a, a movie. Tony the Pizza Boy. He's delivering pizzas to save the world. Something like that. DeBrusque could be a good addition. Players sometimes just need a change of environment and some solid line mates. Dry Settler McDavid could undoubtedly elevate his play, and like you said, he may be a better option than Cahoon. Marfis says, "How about trading Neil for Stall and have Buffalo be responsible for one million of Stall's salary?" Oh man, if you, I think if you're trading a team James Neal, you're not also asking them to retain uh, Stall's salary. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that one, Marfis. The Big L writing in tonight, putting on his uh, trade analysis hat which is actually just a giant green elf's hat. That's what the big L wears when he's thinking about trades. As you noted, Stahl's expensive, and he's also not that fleet of foot. Besides, both Haas and Chason are filling their roles, going to give up someone and spend that kind of money. You might as well go after a younger contributor or someone who can stop the puck in the first few minutes of games, which, yes, that's another reference to some um, problems that, Obviously, Miko Koskinen has had. And you got to remember this, too, about Jake DeBrusque. Is, is this a sign that Boston's giving up on him and ready to move him? Or is this a sign it's a player who's still relatively young, 24, he's in his fourth year in the league, who's going through a downtime, and they're trying to help him and try to deal with it? His, his stats have, have dropped off. I mean, he has one goal in 17 games. So, of course, he knows he has to do better. He had 19 and 65 last year. In the 18-19 season, he had 27 goals in 68 games. So that's why I would say, you know, I'm not saying Boston's done with this player, but I, but I would say, man, oh, man, if, if Edmonton went after a player like that 
and, and he came here and got to play with some really good centers, maybe he's a better fit in that role, again, like somebody better than someone like Dominic Cahoon. Anyway, just some things to consider. It's fun talking about trade stuff and maybe the Oilers adding players who can help. The, the thing for the Oilers is, if, if we talked about this last week, if the, if the Leafs are the Moriarty of the division and you got to figure out their grand plan, what type of player do the Oilers need that could help thwart the Leafs? Who does that better? Is it a veteran like Eric Stahl? Is it a younger, struggling player who has scoring potential like Jake DeBrusque? Whether it's specifically those players or not. Mike Smith likely to start in goal tomorrow. What a story he's been. He has 11 appearances. He's 7-2 and two with two shutouts and a 2.29 goals against average and a 9.25 save percentage. And remember, he missed almost the first month of the season with an injury. Here's Tip. He's come back and he's from the injury at the start of the year and he's worked awful hard. Him and uh, Schwartz have worked awful hard at uh, getting his game in place and he's come in and he's played very well and uh, playing with a lot of confidence right now. Um, you know, he's... He's a, he's a hard-working guy, great leadership qualities, and he's a big part of our team. So he's come in and he's done his part and, and played very well. We had Adam Francilia on the show a couple of weeks ago who is uh, you know basically a goaltending consultant now. He, he works primarily with goaltenders. He worked with Mike Smith in Kelowna in September and October and tried to get some things out of Smith's game that might have been hurting him and emphasize the things that were helping him. Looks like that work has paid off, and Dave Tippett knows all about Smith's work ethic. I can tell you there's there's maybe two or three guys that I would class as the best athletes I've ever coached, and he's one of those best athletes. And he's, he's uh, 38 or 39, whatever he is now, he's... It, He's, he's still an unbelievable athlete at that age. He, he doesn't show that age. And he's always on, has the latest uh, thoughts on fitness and health. And, uh, you know, his whole family lives that way. He's, a, he's an incredible athlete. And he's defying the, the age because he's, uh, he's so competitive. And he's, I mean, he, his workload is phenomenal. You should see this guy practice. I mean, his workload is, is crazy what he does. And, uh, it's showing on the ice with positive results. A little bit there from Dave Tippett. We'll talk more about Mike Smith and athleticism with Kelly Rudy coming up in the next half hour of the show. Ted says to beat the Leafs, the Oilers need a pest, someone to get under their skin and off their game. Well, Ted, I'll tell you what, and I, I hopefully you remember this player. I think Ken Linsman is retired. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Matthew Kachuk plays for Calgary. <laughs> I don't know if that's who you were thinking of or not, Ted. Back after the news with Rudy.
James H. Brown for coming on board. Going to be sending a bouquet of canned hams to their office. Updating the National Hockey League. Jets up 3-2 on the Maple Leafs after two. Morrissey and Connor scoring in the second period to give the Jets the lead. Matthews scored in the first period. He now has 19 on the season. Blackhawks and Stars about to get underway. Lightning lead the Red Wings 2-1 after one. Point and Johnson have scored for the Lightning, earned for the Wings. Second period, Panthers up 2-1 on the Blue Jackets. The Predators lead the Hurricanes one zip. Matt Benning, former Edmonton Oiler, first goal of the season for Nashville. The Capitals taking it to the Devils. It's 4-1 late in the second period. Uh, Capitals got three goals in about uh, seven and a half minutes to take control of that one. Sabres up 4-3 on the Flyers. That's with about three and a half left in the second period. Kevin Hayes has his ninth of the season. It's 1-1 Bruins and Islanders after two. Pasternak and Nelson are the goal scorers. And late in the third, just a couple minutes left, the Penguins lead the Rangers 3-2. Kapanen, the go-ahead goal for Pittsburgh. Well, actually, Kapanen made it 3-1, and then Ryan Strom scored for Pittsburgh early in the third period. Strom's ninth of the season. Man. Would have been great if he could have done that in Edmonton. We'll keep you updated on those scores throughout the evening. Oilers and Senators tomorrow, right here on 630 Jet. It'll be in the first period about 24 hours from now. A little bit of an earlier start, like last Wednesday when the Leafs were here. The game starts at 6. Our face-off show will be at 4.30. Eric Greiba, an alum of both the Oilers and Senators, is scheduled uh, to join us tomorrow. Briefly in Edmonton Oilers, he was a member of that playoff team in 16-17. Pretty outgoing guy. He'll always be fun to talk to. Curling tonight. We'll keep you updated on this one as well, and we'll talk some curling later with the greatest of all time, Kevin Martin. It is Alberta's Botcher Rink taking on Jacobs from Northern Ontario. Now, the Briar with, uh, with two pools of nine teams, so you have to be in the top four to advance. And uh, if Botcher gets this win, he'll be in really good spot to do that. He's currently three and one. Jacobs uh, needs a win here. If he gets that third loss tonight, he's three and two. It might be uh, pretty tough for him to advance. So we'll keep you updated uh, on that one. And I just flipped over to curling on the old tube here. Kyle Turris is in the NHL's COVID protocol. Doesn't necessarily mean he has COVID. Uh, pretty good chance that maybe this was a close contact situation, so we'll keep an eye on that. He didn't practice today. Josh Archibald, once again, not on the ice for the Oilers. He remains day-to-day. Mike Smith was in the home team net, an indication that he's probably going to start the next game. And Zach Cassian took part in practice for the first time since he suffered a hand injury. Okay, he joins us once a week on Inside Sports, powered by Sentinel Storage, Shop Canadian, Store Canadian, Try four weeks free. Visit sentinelstorage.ca. Former NHL goaltender, now a broadcaster with the NHL on Rogers. It is Kelly Rudy. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. And yourself? I am doing very well. It's nice to have you on the show. The Oilers uh, here are five games through a a seven-game homestand. So we'll see how they do against Ottawa. And obviously, they beat Calgary on Saturday without Daryl Sutter uh, on the bench. But now he's, uh, you know, officially with the team as he ran the practice today. Sure. Yeah. And unfortunately I didn't make the practice. I had some other things I had to get done around uh, the house and stuff, but uh, I can tell you, I uh, followed it very closely and I listened in on the zoom meetings, post-practice and so on. And uh, typical Daryl Sutter, uh, a short practice, but really high tempo. I had him my last year in San Jose and uh, most practices are about half an hour to 40 minutes. I believe today's went 38 minutes. 
and he had a little bit of a skate at the end. It, it wasn't to a skate to, to send a message. Daryl's very big on conditioning. And uh, uh, I, I can tell you, one of the things that kind of bothered me a little bit with Daryl as a coach um, on game day skates, uh, like I really like to skate uh, at home on the game day. And it would be sometimes as short as 10 minutes, which was really shocking to me back in the day, right? Like most coaches for sure a morning skate would be half hour, maybe 40 minutes. And Daryl was extremely short and he didn't really care much about a morning skate. Uh, and it suited me just perfectly on the road too, because I hated morning skates on the road because it would throw off my schedule for my pregame meal and all those sorts of things. And by the time you get back to the hotel, it, I just didn't like it as much. So a 10 minute skate on the road was okay by me, but yeah, he, uh, he's really stresses fitness and, uh, the guys talked about it. In fact, I think Chris Tan have said today that that's the best practice they've had in a long, long time. So uh, the guys will be in for some real good conditioning skates, and and that's good for a player, right? Do you think players in general would like that shorter practice? Get to the point, you know. Let let us get our get get our work in and and get out of there. One hundred percent. I think that it takes you out of your rhythm if you're going over by the glass all the time to look at the whiteboard at new drills and and it you know I, I understand there's a need for that at times but I think the, the quicker you can run through your drills and and less standing around I think it's way better for the players and they like it they like up tempo right like they're they're thoroughbreds these guys want to run they want to skate uh, as fast as possible and uh, uh, I think that that just really suits the mindset of a professional athlete. Just standing around and not doing much and looking at a whiteboard doesn't get your attention that much. Right. Yeah, I've definitely heard that before. Or with Rob Brown, just no practice at all. Just play the games. But uh, that's what he always says. <laughs> well, that wouldn't have worked for a goalie. Uh, goalies need practices for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, hey, speaking of goalies. Looks like Mike Smith's going to be back in tomorrow. He's, I, I mean, look, I, I know maybe he's had a couple of games where um, the goals against got up a little bit, but overall, I mean, he's been outstanding for, for the Edmonton Oilers. Existing relationship with Dave Tippett before they even came to Edmonton from the Arizona Coyotes. And Tipp said today that of all the teams he's coached on, he's he said he would probably put Mike Smith in the top, two or three athletes like just in terms of that whole and to me like when we talk about that kelly that doesn't just mean good hockey player good at your position i think you yeah. know what i'm saying like good good you know balance agility and probably one of those guys where if you just randomly said you got to go play another sport for a day you'd probably be okay at it just because he's a good athlete so if, who's who's who do you consider maybe an ex-teammate or someone you played yeah. against like a great athlete okay well I'm going to stick to goaltenders here for a little bit, and then I'm going to come back to myself because I've got a couple of stories that might surprise you about uh, my athletic ability long ago. Not now, not as a 60-year-old man, but <laughs> long ago. But uh, I remember always when I was playing in New York and uh, Wayne Gretzky was also always saying Grant Pure was the best athlete that uh, he had come across, and uh, which does not surprise me. Most people, there's this stupid uh sort of sentiment out there that goalies weren't really great athletes and i say on the contrary i say mike smith proves that point but so many others that i played with or played against were incredible athletes i remember growing up with clint malarchuk and although he was a star as a young kid uh in hockey and uh, we all knew he was uh, destined for uh, the nhl 
man, he could play every sport. He was unbelievable. And so many other guys. I, I remember going to Long Island and Roly Melanson was an incredible athlete. Billy Smith was. Uh, uh, just so many guys that I, I had a good fortune of playing uh, uh, with and against. I think of also my time on Long Island. Remember, I think it was Bob Bourne and Clark Gillies. Uh, they were actually incredible baseball players. They were both both born in Saskatchewan. And if I'm not mistaken, one or two of them both played in the minors in the baseball. Uh, one of the, I'm not sure, the Grapefruit League or something like that, something similar to that. So these guys were really great athletes. And uh, I'm not going to be dismissive towards the, the guys today because they're still, they have to be great athletes to play at the level they are. But I don't know if they're as well-rounded because they're, you know, these guys, they had to stick to hockey almost exclusively their whole lives. You know, we were, four sport athletes we had to play uh, everything and you know there wasn't year-round hockey for us so we had to find other things to do so and now i'm going to get back to to this guy you're talking to so i played everything in fact hockey uh was uh, one of the sports that i was late coming to in comparison to football or baseball I played those. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the West Edmonton Raiders. That's a football team in, uh, in yeah. yeah, in West Edmonton. And I was, uh, I started playing with them jeepers. I must've been about, uh, I can't remember 12 or something like that or 11. And, and, uh, I was a quarterback and a middle linebacker. So I played both sides of the ball. And then as I got older, uh, when I went to JP high school, by the way, we, our field, I see they're at St. FX uh, High School now, but when or across the street maybe. But when we played for the West Edmonton Raiders, we were at a, a park just by Metal Arc uh, Mall on 156th Street. So it was literally like a five-minute bike ride for me from uh, our house on 159th Street. So it was kind of handy that way. But uh, and we played down Jeepers. Uh, I, I'm forgetting the what was the uh, field house uh, in Edmonton by the river um uh jeepers i can't remember well, but there it, now yeah i think it's, it's uh, kinsman yeah, yeah yeah it wasn't wasn't called kinsman back then but we played a couple fields over there because well, the huskies uh, use that now for their practice oh, they're, they're down there yeah I'm right under the bridge right right under the high yeah, level it's a, yeah yeah it's a great ability right and so then when i uh started going to uh, high school i put i was a quarterback who was starting quarterback for uh jp high school and uh, so, and then baseball, I was actually quite a good uh, baseball player. I, I played third base and pitcher because I had a good arm. The problem was I couldn't hit very well. It, it caught up to me at an older age. And surprisingly with my hand-eye coordination, I couldn't hit great, but, uh, and I played all sorts of, uh, I think, in fact, I played every racket sport possible. And uh, even into my uh, Jeepers uh, early fifties, I was playing squash for, four times a week I was playing singles and doubles here in Calgary and we got to a pretty high level in fact uh my partner uh and I we both won or we won the uh, club championship a number of years in doubles so that's my exploits I would just want to let everybody know that uh I, I, although if you look at me you'd never know it but I was playing pretty good <laughs> in fact uh Clint Malarchuk always tells everybody in junior or in uh, elementary I was voted Beth best athlete at Elmwood Elementary School 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I gotta go find that plaque, maybe. <laughs> get, get a photo. Well, I, I'm glad you told that story because I, I didn't know that about you all the years we've I mean, we've talked about you growing up in the in the West yeah. End, but always hockey related. And I gotta say, I'm impressed you were a quarterback because I think and nothing against all the all the other sports and and you know you got to be i think you have to be intelligent as well as physically gifted to be really good at any sport but to me quarterback is the ultimate combination of physical ability and intelligence in all sports like i think if you're a quarterback in football you got to have everything quick reflexes and and quick thinking so good well, well if you think of it back then i mean i'm talking uh what 70s early 70s and until when did I quit to uh, JP high school I think I left there to in 78 so I was calling all the own my own plays right so you had no help you had you didn't have a coach calling the plays back then and so uh you know you had a number of uh, different plays that uh, you were you were used to and in your your repertoire but I don't know I can't remember we didn't have a ton of plays but I I suspect we had about 10 or 15 plays and you know, you just go by feel. So it was really cool experience. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Kelly Rudy joining us then at inside sports, our weekly guest here, former NHL goaltender, now a broadcaster. Okay. So the Oilers uh, won Ottawa, beat Ottawa last night. They are five and zero against the senators this season. And a couple of times they've, they've kind of blown out all Ottawa. The other games have been close. I know the Sens since that really poor start are kind of just below 500 they did take three out of five against the flames but i but i also look at their roster and kind of the way the way the game went last night kelly i was thinking and rob and i talked about it the senators they're just good enough to lose like yeah. do you understand what i'm saying like yeah. they're they're not horrible but they're just good enough to come up a little bit short yeah and i think that's going to change in my opinion uh I kind of believe starting next year. And I think we're going to really see a lot of progress from this team. I was super impressed with the changes that they made in the off season. Um, I just think that that's a, a, an organization that's going in the right direction. Now they're going to need a little bit of help. For, I'm going to talk about two players uh, individually. First of all, when you got a good, real good young team like that, it sure adds a lot when you add in a guy like Chris Tierney. I am just such a, a fan, man. That guy just gets the game. He, he understands he's, he's certainly not the fastest guy. He can't keep up with a guy like McDavid or some of these other guys that are incredible, but he has got great hockey sense. He's excellent on the penalty kill. Uh, he is a guy that would really, really help these young guys. And he's also a guy that would really help a, a team that's a contender. And you could put him in uh, on the fourth line, third line, wherever he's going to be uh, slotted in, but he's going to bring a lot of value. And the other guy that I hope he can find his game is Matt Murray uh, because he's, he's, he's off a little bit. He's, he's, uh, he's battling hard to find that game. I think I told you this a few years ago, Reed, when I first saw him, for the first time live, I thought, oh my gosh, he is the best young goalie I've ever seen in my life. And for whatever reason, like he won two Stanley Cups, for whatever reason, the game, I think, mentally has gotten the best of him. And so at times we see Matt play like he has in the past, and other times he has struggled mightily. Uh, and so I think it was a week ago Thursday that uh, he was just dreadful you know and lost to the calgary flames seven to three i think the flames won that and he let in four in the first period i think in 10 shots 
Uh, and it has been a battle from night to night with him. And I know he signed a four-year deal. I'm really rooting for him because I know the difficulty of that position, especially mentally, if it gets the best of you. But if he can find his, his game and get back to even close to where he used to be, I, I like that franchise a lot. Yeah. Well, I was looking at his stats yesterday getting ready for the game and his save percentage by game, it'd be 940, yeah. 820, 930, 860. Like he's just been so up and down. Oh, unbelievable. And then Joey Decord, I've got a connection with Joey. Um, most people wouldn't know this, but uh, I've known his dad, Brian, for years and years and years. And just as I was getting out of the game as a player and started to become a broadcaster, I would travel in the summer to Boston because Joey's dad, Brian, had a goalie camp there. So for years, I would go there in August and just keep up on the uh, the transition of uh, player to broadcaster and the difference uh, the changes that were happening at playing the position and so on. And, and uh, so I've known Brian forever. He's uh, he's originally from Montreal. Uh, he was a goalie himself. He never played much in North America, but he, I think after college, he went and played maybe in uh, Switzerland, I believe for five or seven years, something like that. Well-respected guy. He's now running the goaltending department in uh, Arizona with the Coyotes. So this, uh, this history, this family has a lot of history in the position and in hockey. Yeah, for sure. He was pretty good last night, too. I thought yeah. he did everything he could to keep the Senators in the game. Yeah. Kelly, thanks for checking in tonight. Um, I, I, I guess I'll probably have, maybe have to wait till the fall when if everybody can go out a little more and go find your name on a plaque at, uh, at Elmwood, <laughs> and, then, and then we'll have that in the archives, too. Thanks for doing this. <laughs> okay. Take care, Reed. See you, bud. Yeah, always fun to have Kelly Rudy on the show, powered by Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian, try four weeks free. Visit sentinelstorage.ca. More on the order. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. As we move along, former Oiler Mark Lamb is coming up as well. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Nurse and the Oilers will take on the Ottawa Senators tomorrow. We have it for you right here on 6.30. Chet, okay, Mark in the Deer wrote in. And Mark, I hope that means you're in Red Deer, not in the Deer like Han had to put Luke in the Tauntaun in Empire Strikes Back. So Mark has written in, hmm, quarterback, huh? Spoken like a guy who never played rugby. Because I said in the interview with Kelly Rudy that I think in team sports, quarterback is the alpha position in all team sports. So I'll tell you a secret here, Mark, just between you and me. I don't want you spreading this around Red Deer. Not only have I never played rugby, I've also never played football. So, Mark, I, I hope for all these years you have not been tuning into inside sports because you perceive that I had some sort of athletic prowess. <laughs> I, I'm guessing you didn't Mark, 
But uh, so let, we'll do this for an off-topic topic tonight on the text line. And when we do this, sometimes we get two responses. Sometimes we get 200. We never know what's going to happen. But Mark's text made me think of this. And we'll stick to team sports because uh, obviously, you know, there's a different dynamic than, than with an individual sport. Because as people know, I hold golf in higher esteem than a lot of people do. But of team sports, what is the position you most admire? Or, or if you think, okay, this guy plays this position in a team sport, he must be something. Like, that is tough. He's got to be a leader. He's got to be smart. He's got to be an exceptional athlete. He's got to be tough, all those types of things. To me, it's quarterback. So, Mark, in the deer, give me which rugby position you're talking about and why. I'd like to hear that from you. I think that's interesting. And uh, you, uh, everybody else can let me know. 780-496-0063 for our off-topic topic. What position in all of team sports do you think is the bee's knees, is the cat's meow, is the alpha position? Quarterback, starting pitcher, whatever it is in rugby for Mark, goalie, center, let me know. We'll have some fun with that as we move along. And Mark Lamb is coming up. Somebody just sent me in a picture of Mark Lamb's hometown. I'll have to ask him about that. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.